Changing healthcare starts with a dream. Better care, smarter care, and healthier people. Listen weekly as Dr. Gregory Goodman interviews today's most innovative MDs as they transform healthcare and share their journey from white coat to business suit, highlighting lessons learned and golden prescriptions for your success. Join us today and get your doctor-recommended dose of MD Innovation. So welcome to the Modern MD. This is Dr. Greg Goodman. I'm here with Dr. Malik Majmudar, the Associate Director of MGH Healthcare Transformation and Clinical Cardiologist at Massachusetts General Hospital and an instructor at Harvard Medical School. Malik is a founding member of Quantius and serves as their Chief Medical Officer. He is an active member of the healthcare innovation and entrepreneurship community and is a clinical advisor to AliveCorps and medical advisor to Prevently. Malik, welcome to The Modern MD. Such an honor to have you on the show. Greg, thank you very much for having me today. Awesome. So I'd love for you to share a little bit more about you personally and your uh, entrepreneurial journey. Sure. I'm happy to give you a little bit of a background. So like most physicians, I actually started out with a traditional background. It's a very quick overview. I went to you know, medical school in Chicago at Northwestern University followed by residency training at Johns Hopkins in internal medicine. And along the way, I was very much interested in the basic sciences and actually took a year off to do a one-year fellowship actually at the NIH called a Cloisters Fellowship, which is a Harvard Hughes uh, research internship program. After finishing residency training, I pursued my interest in cardiovascular medicine by joining the fellowship program at Brigham and Women's Hospital uh, in Boston at Harvard Medical School. And then followed by that, completed my postdoctoral fellowship, again, in uh, basic sciences, wet lab at Mass General. About three years ago, as I was finishing up my postdoc fellowship, I became, and I was writing my NIH career grant, kind of the five-year faculty career development award. I paused for a second and really started to think about, you know, my own career path and exactly what my interests were. And with a changing healthcare economy, you know, really fast uh, healthcare reform movement that was that is still upon us, and ended up spending a lot of time kind of exploring interest in that domain by spending some time at both MIT and the Harvard Business School, meeting people and exploring this new field of healthcare innovation. So I can go into that in a little more detail later, but I think because of that experience over the last three years or so, I've kind of pivoted from my career in the basic sciences and academic cardiology to mostly spending vast majority, 85% of my time now, as you mentioned, the healthcare innovation entrepreneurship area, both at Mass General, as well as as the chief medical officer at Qantas. What an incredible journey. And, and I think it's always so important to kind of keep your eyes open and, and you never know what the, what the journey will lead if you kind of look at different options and, and kind of take note as to where things are heading. I think it's really exciting what you've done. And I wish you all the best on, on some of these really exciting ventures. We like to start off the show with a success quote at the Modern MD to inspire our, our audience. Do you have a success quote or something that's important to you that you'd like to share? Uh, sure. I think, I mean, there's a couple of different quotes that come to mind when you talk about, you know, this idea of courage and taking risks. But one, one specific one, which I actually don't know who said it, but it, it sticks to, with me, is that life is too short to let fear make big decisions for you. And I think... As you probably know, Greg, most physicians, given the duration of training and intense commitment to the sciences, I think most physicians, by the time they graduate, they're very risk averse. 
and that they are very comfortable and familiar with what they've been doing, which is undergrad, med school, residency, fellowship, and then a, a job, either be prior practice or academic, academic medicine. And it's very difficult to, one, keep your kind of eyes and mind open to other opportunities. And even if they do present themselves, it's a pretty anxiety-provoking and kind of a fearful moment to try to let go or go out of your comfort zone. I think that quote really helps you kind of put things in perspective. That's incredible. And, and I couldn't agree more with you. I think it's, it takes a lot of courage to go in a different path. And, you know, as physicians, we, we kind of go through that training cycle and, you know, it's hard to get off that. So I really commend those that are willing to take some risks and, and try some things out. I, I think we need more physicians like that to, to really lead the charge. So the next section as we shift is what I'm terming idea to venture. And I know you're involved with the number of startups and, you know, I'd love for you to speak about one of them and kind of talk about the vision behind it and, and how you got started. Sure. Um, so let me do this. You know, given that I spend vast majority of my time at Qantas now, but I still am the associate director of this new healthcare transformation lab, which is a brand new innovation initiative at Mass General. I'll start with Qantas, but then maybe if I can have five minutes, I can give you a little bit of insight into how we're thinking about uh, ideas to sustainable ventures at the innovation lab level as well. So in regards to Qantas, uh, it's a very interesting story. When when I was uh, just finishing up my cardiology fellowship, and this is my last two years of fellowship, which was the postdoctoral training part of it. So I had finished my clinical training and it was doing my postdoc. I, like I mentioned before, I, I spent a decent amount of time uh, at MIT uh, because they have this new I guess, relatively new program called MIT Hacking Medicine. And they run these things called the healthcare hackathons, which to me was really interesting because I've never heard of it before. And I'm like, what's a hackathon? But these really, you know, intense but short programs, a weekend-long session where they bring together physicians, designers, engineers, computer scientists, even entrepreneurs, just people of very diverse skill sets and backgrounds all together to sort of think about what are the major challenges in healthcare and how can we solve them together with a very different perspective of the problem and a very different set of solutions because all of us are coming from a different angle and we're not, unbi- we're not biased by the traditional healthcare system, at least the people outside the physicians are not. And these hackathon things have been extremely successful and that's kind of how I got started in this entire field. And one of these events in 2012 was held at the MIT Media Lab, where I first met uh, a founder and CEO of um, Qantas, whose name is Shahid Azim. And the two of us got together, and we're thinking about this thing, and we said, wouldn't it be interesting if we put a team together for the XPRIZE? And I don't know if you're familiar with it, but the XPRIZE two and a half or three years ago announced this big prize called the Tricorder, which is a challenge to the entire community globally to build a handheld device that sits in the palm of your hand that can diagnose a set of conditions, and that's a set of 13 conditions or so. And it's really literally the tricorder concept from Star Trek from the 80s. And that, that to me was like the ultimate challenge of blending technology with medicine and trying to move medicine out of the brick and mortar four walls of the hospital to people's homes and local environments. So we said, this sounds like an incredible challenge. We're up for it. Let's put a team together. And after a few months of kind of going back and forth, that concept of the tricorder kind of distilled down to a single problem, which is cardiovascular disease. And we said, 
we don't really have to tackle all 13 diseases to have an impact on the world. Even solving one of them is enough. And that one for us became heart health. And at the time, we had run into a PhD candidate at MIT named David He, who became another founder. And his PhD was focused on how do you non-invasively and completely passively measure cardiovascular physiology on the body in a wearable form factor. And he was just presenting his PhD work at a conference in San Diego, and Shahid flew out there just to meet him. And that was the, init- that was the start of Qantas. In the car ride back from the conference to the airport, they had pretty much decided they were going to start this company. And the concept, you know, the idea, I think about idea to venture really was around, can we fundamentally transform how people think about their personal health? Can we, for the very first time, get continuous measure of physiology through your daily lifestyle, through your routines, through day and night? And as you do that over time, over days, weeks, months, and years, can you learn something about that individual and how the individual fits into the population to redefine certain diseases and redefine risk stratification of diseases? We've never been able to do this before. So that was the idea, the bold vision. And now for the last two and a half years, we've been very focused on translating the idea into a product. Because one of the things we learn very quickly in the entrepreneurship space is the vision and the idea can be bold, but literally, honestly, it's 1%. It's execution that's 99% of success. And executing on that idea into an actual product that people are willing to pay for, purchase, and then use on a daily basis is actually an important challenge. And the technical validation is an equally important challenge. So that's where we are right now in terms of Qantas. So yeah, if you have any questions on that, let's pause there and then I can talk about the innovation lab. No, that's uh, that's an incredible, incredible story. I mean, how you, you know, flew out to the conference, you, you just committed to the idea. And I think, you know, what you mentioned there at, at the end is really important is that a lot of people get, you know, kind of consumed with the value of the idea or this big vision, but the actual execution and, and figuring out how to do that well is, I think some of the some of the hardest pieces to, to figure out and, and, and really focus down and, and do as I've kind of studied the, uh, the entrepreneurial world. So it's exciting to, to see where you guys are going. It sounds like you have an incredible team and starting with that big vision, big why, I think is what gets people up every day. So really exciting, Malik. Absolutely. No, thank you. Uh, appreciate it. And I think uh, to your point, exactly, I think that's the one thing that ties together no matter what industry sector or what part of your career you're in, this idea of uh, executing, right? So even if you're in the academic environment or you're in the corporate environment, uh, the, one of the biggest challenges is this idea of implementation. And that's the transition I'll make from Qantas to Mass General, is when we think about how do you innovate in an academic medical center as opposed to industry where it really is all on products and business and revenue uh, and scale, how do you innovate in academic medical science is all about implementation. And I think, you know, as, with my experiences, at least in the healthcare hackathon sort of example, one of the things I noticed very early on is there were an incredible amount of energy in the room at the end of that weekend. People are super enthusiastic and, and, and excited about what the opportunities are. And not that we're disrupting healthcare, we're really redesigning it. Excuse me, redesigning healthcare. Uh, but at the end of that weekend, there's a big letdown in the sense that a number of teams try, try very hard to continue, but there isn't a natural bridge to carry them from 
that weekend to a sustainable venture in terms of mentorship, funding, support, even organization of the teams. Because uh, these people, you know, they, they either are students or have day jobs. And that, that's a very loose kind of environment. So one thing that we thought in the, when we launched the Healthcare Transformation Lab at MGH about a year ago exactly, is let's create a new program that somehow leverages this energy and really gets them to the end goal, which is sustainable, scalable ventures. Uh, and whether it's social enterprise or commercial kind of for-profit, it doesn't matter. Really, it's around impact. So we recently launched a new program out of our group called Co-Create. And what Co-Create really is, uh, in a simple kind of one phrase, it's almost like an academic incubator that really takes these student projects, whether it be from classes like medical device design classes or engineering health classes at MIT or other schools in the area, or the weekend hackathons that have incredible ideas but need support, to bring them into the hospital and say, let's create this program where you apply for it. And if you get chosen as a one or two top teams, you get to spend six months literally interacting with all the stakeholders and all the kind of resources of our academic medical center. That includes doctors, nurses, administrators, reimbursement specialists, regulatory consultants, and of course our group, which is mentors on entrepreneurship. To, to go ahead and kind of validate some of the assumptions you made over that weekend or over that semester to say, is this the real need I'm trying to solve? Am I asking the right questions about what the problem really is? Or is it more that the problem seems to be this, but it's actually much rooted in something else? So validate those needs, validate the solutions, iterate on those needs and solutions by interviewing patients and doctors and nurses. And hopefully by the end of that six-month period, you're very well positioned to go into the real world. And whether that be accelerators, angel funding, VC funding, whatever that is, we just want to position these guys to really, you know, they're going to spend time and effort and they're dedicate their lives to this new idea. We want to help them really nail down and kind of de-risk the most important risk in this environment, which is market adoption risk and not a technical risk. I think in today, most will agree that technical risk is actually not that big and that it's solvable and these guys are smart enough that we can figure it out. It's a market and adoption risk that's really important. You hit on so, so much uh, great stuff there, but I think at the end, you, you hit on something important. It's, it's really, you know, the, the distribution of a lot of these technologies or ideas in healthcare is probably the hardest piece, you know, getting them adopted, getting them, you know, piloted. So it seems like you're, you're connecting that initial idea, helping it grow, help figure out how to de-risk pieces of it and get it to the next phase. So really exciting. One of the things that I'd like to touch on, and, and I think a lot of people have this, uh, this fear in entrepreneurship is failure. On any of these ventures, would you be open and willing to talk about maybe a failure that you had and, and how you repositioned yourself either at Quantius or through the, uh, the Transformation Lab at MGH? Sure. I'm happy to talk about it. I think uh, I'd be lying if I said that you know, I haven't gone through uh, at least experiences that are less than ideal in the sense of maybe there are complete failures in those adventures or failures in terms of communication. So one of the things uh, I'll start with, there's a few lessons here, but one of the things I'll start with is this idea of uh, commitment. So one of the things we learned very early on in the entrepreneurship, at least in the startup community, is you know the, the probability of success starting out of the gates is very low. Over 95% of ventures usually 
don't make it to the, the finish line, which is either acquisition or IPO or, or kind of major hit. So you have to be incredibly passionate and just 150% committed to kind of this idea that either is yours or you've bought into as something that's going to have impact on the world. The reason I mentioned that is as a clinician, when, you, when I first got started, there's an incredible lack of clinical knowledge and clinical experiences and clinical ac- clinician access on kind of that side of the community, right, in the startup community. So they're hungry and dying to talk to doctors, nurses, and medical students and residents to just get nuggets of information about the healthcare ecosystem and environment that when I first got started, it seemed like I had so many opportunities to either advise or mentor teams or kind of become some component part of those teams to, to kind of go on that journey with them. And what you realize is your time is very valuable and you really don't are doing a disservice to those teams if you're not able to commit kind of 100% of your time and energy to help that team really succeed. So one thing, one of the lessons I learned was try to pick and choose really what I was passionate about. And even though the idea was great and you have this, this very famous term we call FOMO, right? Fear of missing out. You don't, you have to be honest to those teams and say, if I can't commit my time to you, I really shouldn't. I should advise you in a meeting here or there, like, like you said, coffee dates, but really not commit to it. And that's very important. So whatever you do, be committed to it and be passionate about it. The second lesson in terms of failures is, is the execution piece. There are a number of things that I've been a part of in the hackathons or weekends that seem like very good ideas in the sense that we won awards or we won some dollar amount that said, oh, this is great, kind of want to see you move it forward. But to form a team around it that is willing to take that risk of quitting their jobs or committing 20 to 30 hours outside the regular workday of nights and weekends to really take this forward is, is really testing people's true commitment to that project, right? And I think that's critical because I think it's very difficult. Just like in the sciences, it's very difficult to do part-time PhD or be a part-time clinician and be the top of the field. Uh, to be a part-time entrepreneur and think that you're going to avoid the odds of 95% failure rates and just make it magically. I think you're fooling yourself. You think that you could put part-time effort and have a full-time success. So I think the other thing is when you do commit to something, considering that majority of the success relies on execution, to really be committed to it. And then how do you, and the question of execution, right, really depends on adoption and understanding all the different pieces, especially in healthcare, that really govern your success or failure may not be the end user. And that's a tough lesson to learn, that if you're designing a product for the end user, which is, let's say, a patient or a person, but in healthcare, usually patients don't pay for their healthcare. It's always somebody else paying for it, whether it be the payer, like an insurance company, whether it be the hospital in that accountable care organization model, whether it be employer, like a large corporation. Understanding those nuances and really who's paying for it, and that ends up becoming a customer. So navigating the healthcare stakeholder marketplace ecosystem is a really important thing you have to learn. And if you don't understand that, I think no matter how good the idea is, it's going to be very hard to make it successful. And I think that was a lesson learned early on as well, is to really get at the bottom of it and say, who is the person that really going to be the decision maker around using or purchasing this tool or product? And understanding that what their incentives are is actually a critical point.
Malak, thank you so much for sharing so openly. I, I think it's so important to, to share stuff like that. And, you know, you hit on so many important points there. So I want to transition into what I'm terming not our typical hospital rounds. So these are business rounds. I think the first question that I'd like to ask you is, what is the best advice you've ever received? Well, that's a good one. I think the best advice, honestly, was actually Bill Ouellette, who's the director of kind of the MIT's Trust Entrepreneurship Center, that when I was talking to him about switching career paths, he said, you will miss 100% of the times if you don't take a shot of the goal. And I think it's a quote from Wayne Gretzky. This idea that, you know, if you're constantly contemplating decisions, but never really willing to take that risk, you'll never know what that career path of that road down would have, ta- where it would have taken you. And I think that's probably the best advice. That's awesome. So one of the things that I always find fascinating is a lot of folks like yourself have what I'm terming these daily success habits or daily routines or disciplines. Do you have a daily routine or discipline that you like to share that you think has led to some of your success? Yeah, I think that's, that's a really good question. It's actually a very interesting question. I think everybody I'm assuming in this space are super, super committed in terms of work ethic, right? But so what is it that really makes you successful? And I, I don't have a honestly, a magic recipe. But one thing I think I have done that's helped me along the way, this idea of keeping your kind of mind open to other things. So one of the things I've done for the last probably couple of years now is really be very good about reading things that are outside of my domain. So when I was a postdoctoral fellow, of course, I read a lot of journal articles and literature on basic sciences. But I would always read other news sources, whether it be Wired, TechCrunch, whether it be just the CNN or other kind of common late press media stuff to really understand what's happening in the world around you. And I think that's the first inclination I had of connecting the concept of healthcare technology and how it potentially has a huge opportunity to disrupt the healthcare system. And now that I'm doing more entrepreneurship, I continue to read medical journals just to understand where can technology really have a benefit in which kind of disease process, because I'm a cardiologist, but it may be very well that something I'm seeing or working on or advising on may have a tremendous impact on rehab or neurology. So, of course, there's limited time in the day, but having a system to just kind of keep up to date on the two domains is, I think, sometimes the most important thing in making connections that are usually not very obvious, if you can make them, could be that brilliant nugget that gets you to an amazing place in the end. That's so awesome. And I think it is important because people do kind of either have heads down science and and medicine or heads down technology. And I think it's that connection and bridging that gap where I see the physician entrepreneur really uh, leading the charge. So I know you're working on a lot of exciting projects. What do you think or or what are some of the trends that you follow that you think are really important and, and that you're keeping your eye out on? Sure. I think at least, you know, everybody's heard about the incredible amount of growth in this field of quote-unquote digital health or consumerization of healthcare. I do believe that the value add here really is in terms of the next generation of mobile and digital and wearable technologies, which really address a a specific healthcare need in terms of disease, disease management. So, Transitioning from consumers and wellness to clinical and disease-based care, I think, is one trend that we'll see. I think more companies and more products will start going through the transition of regulatory clearance and not being afraid of it to try to address the real needs in healthcare, which is the 5% of patients that cost 50% of all healthcare costs, account for, sorry. 
the second big trend is, is this field of big data. And I think it's a buzzword now. But how, the really getting from big data to big knowledge and big insights, I think is the next big trend. I think as we start structuring our clinical records and not just claims data, but clinical data, sensor data, lab data, imaging data, pharmacy data, and it all starts coming in genomics, for example, and it all starts coming together. I do think in the next five years or so, we will start seeing uh, the benefits of those sort of data analytics and really coming with this interesting new insights. I think those are the two probably biggest things. I know healthcare is at such an exciting time. So Dr. Malik Majumar, thank you so much for joining us today. It was an honor to have you on The Modern MD, and we really appreciate your time. Thank you, Greg. It was my pleasure. Thank you so much for joining me today on The Modern MD. Head to themodernmd.com to get links and recaps of every show and so much more. Dose up and like The Modern MD Facebook page.